The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this, he turned around and looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, our Lord asks this really interesting question as he's walking along with his disciples and he looks at them and he says, who do people say that I am? It's kind of an interesting question. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of my insecure moments when I'm, when I'm like, what are people saying about me? You know, like, what are people saying about me? And of course, with our Lord, he's not really asking out of a sense of insecurity, but, but really kind of checking in with his disciples to see where they're at, you know. And they answer, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, like one of the other prophets. And then the Lord really more pointedly, imagine him looking in their eyes, says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In other words, do you know me? Do you know me? And then I imagine the disciples feeling like their own insecurity and kind of looking at the ground and kicking rocks around like, uh, I hope he doesn't call on me. And Peter speaks up really boldly and says, you are the Christ. And in Matthew's gospel, it's a little bit longer. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you. For my father has revealed this to you. And Peter sort of gets the answer right. But 
shortly thereafter, we realize that even though he knows that Jesus is the Christ, he doesn't quite know what that means. And, and maybe he doesn't actually really know the Lord yet. Because Jesus goes on to say how he must go and suffer greatly, be rejected by the elders, be put to death, be raised after three days. And then Peter pulls him aside and he's like, Lord, don't say stuff like that. You're going to upset people. Like, like, we're all counting on you. Like, don't tell us you're going to die. Like, don't tell us that. Only talk about good things. And then immediately Jesus looks at him and he looks at everybody else and he says, get behind me, Satan. Because you're thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And, and it takes the disciples a long time to really come to know the Lord. And, you know, even at the end of three years of public ministry, Jesus looks at Philip and he says, Philip, have I been with you all this time and still you don't know me? And, and these are important things to ponder because that question, who do you say that I am, is a question that we all have to answer in our own hearts, right? That we all have to answer in our own hearts. Like, who do we say that Jesus is? And like the disciples, like, we can sort of fall into this kind of pride that says, well, I, I think I already know everything there is to know. And then there's really no place to go from there. It's actually a much better place to be in to be able to say, like, I don't fully know who our Lord is. Like, I kind of know up here he's the Son of God. We learn all these things in the Catechism. But I'm not sure that I know here yet. Because then there's room for growth. And then, and then there's room to get to know him. And there's room to fall in love with him. And our relationship with him becomes more dynamic. And it becomes more exciting. It becomes more exciting that way. You know, the alternative is like, well, well, I kind of already know about God because I got confirmed a long time ago. And uh, like, I'm basically, I just go to mass on Sunday and listen to the priest and figure out if he knows who Jesus is. Right? Might happen. I don't know. But there's a disposition of our hearts that, that our Lord calls us to, which is a disposition that's always seeking more. That's always seeking to know him more and to be known by him more. And to deepen our relationship. Just think about any relationship in your life, you know, and, and like when you look around on, on Sunday mornings and you see different people here, like, do you, do you have a desire to, to like get to know them? You know, like, what's that person's story? You know, or do we kind of come into relationships from a place of pride where we're like, oh, yeah, I kind of already know their deal. They're from that area, so I know their deal. And relationships and community and everything else is more dynamic when we can approach things from a place of curiosity and a place of desiring to know. You know, at the time that our Lord came into the world, many of his disciples expected him to be a political kind of a Messiah who came into the world to save them from the Romans. You know, to save them from the Romans. And, and then our Lord turns out not to be that person because our Lord came into the world to save them from their sin. And, and I think sometimes we fall into that same thing 
and, and, and sort of like, who do we say that Jesus is? Well, he's the one who's supposed to save us from like bad political leaders or bad church leaders or the circumstances of our life. And, and he's supposed to save us from all these things. And, and really, that's not why he came into the world. He came into the world to save us from our sin. You know, he didn't even come into the world to get rid of suffering. He came into the world to be with us in that and to transform it and to help us to live in union with him. And we can fall into a worldly way of thinking that's very pragmatic and, and we think our Lord's job is to just sort of like take away all of the negative things that we experience in the world. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody in spiritual direction the other day and, 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 uh, and there was somebody who was struggling with a specific kind of temptation and, and so, like, I don't know, we'll just make up a temptation. Like, we'll say he was struggling with, um, we'll say he was struggling with gluttony and, and so, like, basically, like, he might have said something like this. Like, so I was alone and there was a whole plate of, like, scotch and, and I asked the Lord to deliver me, you know, and, and I asked the Lord to help me, Father, but he just didn't show up. And, and I was like, and I ate the whole plate, right? So, so then I asked him, like, what would it look like if our Lord did show up? What do you think that would look like if our Lord showed up? And he's like, well, our Lord would show up and then all the scotcheroos would just like banish and they wouldn't be there anymore, right? And then I would be delivered from that temptation. And... Uh, and so my response to that really is, okay, so the, the problem isn't that there's a plate of scotch there. The problem's in your heart, right? The problem's in your heart. And like, did you ask our Lord to show up and change your heart? Did you ask our Lord to deliver you from the attachment you have to this thing? Because that's what he came to do. He came to save us from our sin. And our sin is in our heart. It's not imposed on us from the outside. You know, temptations present themselves, but they're only temptations insofar as our heart is vulnerable to give in to them. You know, there's this great line in, in a 12-step literature book, and, and it basically says, like, I had been asking God to take this thing away from me so that I wouldn't have to give it up, right? Like I asked God to take it away so I wouldn't have to give it up. And, and it's, it's kind of like saying, okay, I want our Lord to change the world, but I don't want to change my heart. I don't want to have to change my heart. And, and really what our Lord is interested in is changing our hearts. He's interested in us seeing life the way that God does, not as human beings do. And Jesus goes on to say, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. And, and what does losing our life look like? You know, like losing our life just in a more practical way or in a, in a more everyday way means that I have to surrender to him my own expectations of what the world is supposed to look like. You know, like I wrote about that a little bit in the bulletin this week and, and how we live in this uncertain world. And, and, and in an uncertain world, we want things to be certain and we want things to be secure and we want things to be in control. And, and when we get into that mode, 
we can miss out on the unexpected thing that our Lord wants to do. And losing our life for the sake of the gospel means, okay, I have no idea what God is doing, but I trust him. And so I'm just always going to be looking for what he's doing. And when we do that, when we can do that, There's an amazing joy that comes in that. There's an amazing joy as we sort of start to experience the fruits of the Holy Spirit that come from surrendering our life to our Lord. You know, and I, I think about it in my own life and, and, and especially like in, in these last months and how, you know, like, so like full disclosure um, and at the risk of being misinterpreted. So hopefully I won't be. But like when I got the call from Bishop Conley and he said, you're going to be the pastor in Palmyra and Douglas, I felt like I got hit by a bus. Just kind of like, oh, I'm going, like, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know anybody. That, and I just felt like, like, there's so many other things that I could be doing. And, and I really, like, if, if the chancery had a brain, they would give me this other assignment instead of this one. And, you know, all of that kind of junk can go on in our heads. And... But, but really, with the help of God's grace, you know, like, my response was to immediately, like, drive down here, and I, and I sat, like, in that pew, and, and just told Jesus, I was like, you have to prepare my heart for this, and, um, and, you know, and then I drove down to Douglas, and I did the same thing, and, and he has, you know, and he has, and, and what, what has happened in my life is that our Lord has just like opened up something new and, and there's this incredible joy that I have in, in watching what our Lord is doing in my life every day. And, and, and now when I think about like, like, I don't know, the other assignments that I could possibly have, you know, cause we all, we all kind of do that. Um, I really have no desire to change. Like, I, like I really have no desire to change, you know, and I love being here. And, uh, and if I was like seeing things the way I want to see them or the way I thought things were going to go, you know, I'd be filled with resentment all the time and kind of walking around like, yeah, like I really shouldn't be, I should be there, there instead of here. But our Lord does know better than me. No, our Lord knows much better than me. And our Lord knows better than all of us. Like, our, our Lord knows better than we do. Like his plans for us and his plans for our families and his plans for our parish. Losing our life for the sake of the gospel means, like, okay, I'm going to just have a clean slate with him and ask him to surprise me. And truly just seek to know him every day. And then just see what he does and what he presents. And, and be prepared to be surprised by joy. You know, and that's the place that, that the apostles eventually get to. You know, that's the place that Peter eventually gets to. Is He's surprised by our Lord's mercy at the end of John's gospel when Jesus encounters him and and asks him three times, do you love me more than these? And asks him three times to feed his sheep. 
And there's a sort of finishing touch on Peter's conversion as he starts, sort of comes to know our Lord. And then he's empowered to go out and preach the gospel. And so just another kind of practical thing, you know, is like if you desire to know our Lord more, you know, next week we're starting RCIA, which, which really is just RCIA slash adult faith formation. The first class is, is really just going to be kind of a personal testimony, theology of love talk that I've called like the reason for my hope. And, and, um, and, it, and it's really just a kind of a modification of the same talks that I give when I'm traveling or doing whatever I do in the church. And, and I really hope that many of you will accept that invitation to come and, um, and just like let your heart be open to what our Lord might want to do there. And, and that, that RCIA class that'll be Sunday nights at seven will, will just be an opportunity also to, to encounter people from the community, from both parishes, from both whatever mass times and, and to come to know each other in a deeper way. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like work that needs to be done and, and it can't be done unless the first work is done in our hearts. Unless the first work is done in our hearts. So I just invite you to pray about that and, and also invite you to, to just pray about inviting someone else. And, and even if you just invite them to the first talk and you can scapegoat me and kind of say something like, yeah, like we have this priest. He's like really like interesting dude. So you shouldn't come and like listen to his story. Okay. Or you can say like, he's got, got this really weird story. You can come listen to his story. Um, and, uh, and just like let our Lord do whatever our Lord wants to do with that. And because there is reason to hope and, and there is something that, that our Lord wants to do and, and that's something that we discover together as each of us surrenders our heart to him and, and as each of us sort of is willing to lose our life in order to gain it for the sake of the gospel. And so today, dear brothers and sisters, let us pray for so the grace of being open to the transformation that our Lord wants to work and, and the grace to always seek to come to know our Lord on a deeper level, to come to know him in our hearts. That we may all experience that transformation that he desires for us in, in our own hearts, in our families, in our parish, in the world. And through that transformation that our Lord may truly make all things new.